0: Commanders, and welcome to episode 126 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the Universal Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Ben Moss Woodward, otherwise known as Commander Edelweiss, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder of Doom this week, we have Grand Psycho Kyle Walcott. Good evening. Hello. Hello. And Mr. Phoenix Defy himself, Colin Ford.
1: Good evening, everybody.
0: Right. If you wish, guys and girls, you can join us in beta. We are currently hanging out at the Orange Sidewinder, preparing for Sidewinders at Dorm. Um, So we're going to be at the Orange Sidewinder, uh, which is at Planet Lave, just next to Lave Station. Look for the civilian, Unidentified Civilian Broadcast if you want to find us. We're also in the ISC channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. And of course, we're also talking away on our Twitch channel as well. You know, we're talking away so much on these things that we don't actually have time to do a radio show. So don't worry about that, though, guys. Right, well, I guess we're going to start with our weeks this week. So, Grant, why don't you kick it off?
2: Really? It's really not good. You know, it's just really, really down. Is it? Boring. Right, and Colin, thank you very much for that, Grant.
0: Colin, how's your week been?
1: (laughs) My... (laughs)
0: That answers that,
1: doesn't it? Yes. My week's been uh, a week of frustration because, unfortunately, um, the Beta 2.4 has not been downloading on my machine at all. I've had the Frontier Support guys having a look at it. I've had uh, Virgin Media trying to trace faults within the internet. Uh, but finally, on my, just about when I was about to give up on Monday night, I gave it one last try. And lo and behold, it worked. Little, little so and so. So as as I've been, um, I've said we are. I've been testing two point two, doing a couple of the uh, uh, a couple of the uh, unknown sources missions, which I guess we'll be touching on later. Uh, flying a beluga, taking our um, commanders who were flying ships, attacking my beluga, which was a lot of fun. Feeling of righteous indignation when you finally take a take a. a an eagle with a fighter its really satisfying beyond belief uh, and uh, then just popping back into the real game just to make sure my commander there is uh, is still got some cash in his bank
0: Why would your commander not have cash in his bank?
1: Well you know I've got to keep, I'm, I'm still ploughing on I've still got to get my holy trinity of uh, of the one explorer one trader and, and one bunty hunter ship up to max some specs uh, and for that you have to go back to the real game
0: You need the real monies
1: yes. Mm.
0: Well you don't need the real monies, you need the real virtual monies Yes Yeah. Now I, I have to know I was a wee bit worried after the the dancing and the limbo that you had to do to get beta that you might have accidentally broken the main game
1: It was a bit of a worry, but no my main game's always been fine um, but every time I was doing an update, well we all know it goes to a di- completely different direction so everything was absolutely fine but you know you, you still got it in the back of your mind thinking oh was that gonna overwritten something in the main game uh, and, and unfortunately twitch seems to be a pain tonight I do apologize OBS does seem to be complaining all, all the time that um, it's not working with this graphics card so oh, I do apologize are. I think you know I knew I this think... would happen
2: I think the 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 issue uh with that might be down to the beta build because you know it's I'm in the beta build and I can hear that it's affecting the networking uh, and causing some break up in the audio that we've got through Skype um, which doesn't normally happen. So I'll monitor that, and if it continues to do that, then I'm going to drop out of beta so we get a nice, clear broadcast for you all, and it um, means I'm safe from being blown up around the Sidewinder later on. Yay! <laughs> it's a great yeah. excuse.
1: Coward. To- <laughs> Coward.
0: Okay, I, shall Raves I jinx it r- and... Run away. Shall I jinx <laughs> it and try doing not doing my stream and do the lay radio one, Colin?
1: Uh, Oh, considering it just crashed yet again, it was up for about two seconds, and then that was it.
0: Okay, you 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 stop. Um, you you stop play radio, and I'll stop myself. Yep. And I'll swap over and technical difficulties live on air. What's new about that, eh? Well, if you think about
2: last week's broadcast, was lovely and crisp, and everything worked well because we weren't trying to do too much. And then this week we get ambitious, and we're going to have a sidewinder battle later on, and everything else suffers for it. But that's fine, that's fine. I am just currently trying to get my way to leave, um, as it has been a bit of a, a day of been out doing all the kind of paperworky, rubbishy stuff that I've got to do, and looks like my aunt's house is finally on the market, which is another one, hopefully. Awesome. By the end of next week, I'll have knocked off the list all the little things that have been on the to-do list for so long and start to see them becoming out of my mm-hmm. hands and passed on to where they need to be so that I can get back to doing some crazy things like editing Dockers episode 2 from season 2, um, which is sitting there waiting to... How long ago was that recorded? I don't know. A long time? It's a wee while ago, I. <coughs> yeah. Inside right. this station... Oh, i have just crashed my beluga. Uh, inside this station, there are strange... Assembled towers.
1: Yep. Okay. That's the refinery station, isn't it?
2: It could be. I just need fuel. I said, "I need some help because my Beluga is well and truly stuck in the slot." Ooh, ninety-two percent damage. So yeah, carry on. I'll pass it back to you, Ben. And um... <laughs> bye. So well, what, else have you, what else have you been up to this week, Grant? Apart from
0: that, already... You well, not it's,
2: to? well, of course, um, uh, the, the, the spanner in the works was last Tuesday was a really nice day and everything was looking great and hunky-dory. And then Wednesday, Susie started to not feel well and Thursday she was taken into hospital. Um, and she was in for a number of days. She's now home again. She was home just on Saturday afternoon, um, but with more outpatient appointments to try and get to the bottom of what's causing... All these things. It's one of these things where they look at, they bring you in for one thing, they go, No, it's not that, you're fine, but that doesn't look good. We'll send you up to that department, and they go, No, nope, your kidneys are fine, um, but that doesn't look good. I'm pretty sure that needs investigating. And you're like, going, Guys, just stop looking. Just stop looking, because every time you look, you find something else. So she's got tests to go <laughs> uh, over the next couple of months, as the NHS does so well. And um, yeah, we'll see how that goes, but other than that, she's really motivated to get better so that's a huge positive
0: well that's good and i mean does this mean that you've been living off curries and things like that while susie were away
2: yep hospital night curry night and that's the rules and yeah i paid the price uh, for that uh, on sunday
0: oh dear oh. well a good good curry were it
2: no that was the problem it wasn't very good at all it's oh, very disappointing starts. so i'll tell you what was yeah. good though and this is a good tip for you king prawn Picora was amazing
0: see i like the but i've tried your meaty ones i've tried your
2: your fishy ones and yeah you know, to be honest i just like veggie ones the veggie ones love you know this is live radio but tonight we are curry radio um the king prawn uh, uh, from- and black pudding pakora and haggis pakora. These are things that are, you know, worth trying. Uh, haggis pakora sounds awesome. Yeah, it is if it's done right.
0: Um,
2: hang on, we're getting reports
0: from Frank that apparently we might stop broadcasting. I shall look into it. Uh, Hag- haggis pakora sounds awesome, and. Seeing as we're curry radio this week, yeah, I have to admit on Saturday, no, on Sunday I tell a lie. I made a pretty damn awesome lamb curry with. It's a, it was a typical Ben curry, so it was disgusting. You know, la- no, it was absolutely freaking awesome. But it was you know, some some lamb, some coconut milk, some chilies, some lime, some garlic, some coriander, some uh, gin. Ginger, all shoved together, left, left overnight in the fridge, yeah. cooked for about five hours. Thank you very much. And then served up, and it tasted brilliant. And I'm hearing myself talking back a bit.
2: Sorry, really I, I forgot to mute myself while I was checking the stream. It's there. We're still broadcasting, Frank. Yeah, Sorry. okay.
0: It's all Frank's fault. We'll... we'll Blame Frank Frank's run away actually he was here in in beta, in beta and he seems to have gone away from us I don't know why right Ooh. anyway I'm gonna be moving on move, with things, before you I move on quickly got... just...
2: yes Just before you move on quickly, we played the Galnet news from Commander Witherspoon right at the beginning of the show there. Um, That was the wrong one. There's an updated one, just in case he's tuned in to make sure I play the right one. I I messed up, and I'm going to play the right one right at the end as well. So stick around after the exit music for the latest Galnet report from Commander Witherspoon. Definitely worth doing. Uh, Bye to you, Ben.
0: Frank is still saying he can't hear a thing, so I'm not entirely sure what he's listening in on. Because everybody else can, it could be but somebody Twitch. who's not hosting a show can, someone who's not hosting a show can tell them what's going on. Oh, it could be on Twitch. Is it on Twitch? I don't know.
1: No, Twitch, no, Twitch
0: is working as well. No, I, no, I can hear could. Twitch. Lovely. Right, could somebody listening on on Twitch and see if you can hear it? Can you guys say something, please? Hello. No can hear you too. No. Okay, I have no idea. Twitch is working, so sorry, Frank. Don't know what you're on about.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Uh,
0: has Frank got his headphones plugged in?
1: Has Frank got hearing aids in? <laughs>
0: has he Has he got his hearing aids turned on? That is another very good question. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, sorry, Frank, but I can't help you with your tech support. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Frank. <laughs> and the whole, po- the whole point of us being here tonight... Is that Frank himself, who can't hear us, so pff, has challenged us to Sidewinder us at dawn. So towards the end of the show, we're going to basically do three little events. We're going to all any commanders who want to join us in Beta can come along in their Sidewinders, preferably orange, but doesn't have to be. Uh, no no engineer upgrades or anything like that, but you can kit your Sidewinder out how you like. And then as a group, we're going to kill the uh, Lave Radio Orange Sidewinder. Just because we can, hopefully, and then anybody who wants to try and do it by themselves, they can go off on mano mano versus the the orange side, window, which should be a bit of fun, and possibly watch people dying, which would be awesome. And then I think we might do a grand melee and last man standing kind of kind of thing, and but that will probably be after the show. But everyone who wants to come and join us at the Lay Radio, unidentified, no civilian broadcast at lave please come along and ha- join in for pew and city downy goodness and stuff right now I- I'm going to have to make an apology I'm afraid to Commander Digitry, Um, or Digitary, or however I want to pronounce it yeah because we have been incorrectly referring to the little ships that Thargoid motherships spawn out in Elite and I'm assuming in Frontier 2 as Thar and that is very very wrong you know, and today I learned that the drones that the mothership spawns are called Thargons and this is referred to in the BBC manual page 29 however the whole Tharglet came, comes from uh, from the Dark Wheel where the juvenile form of a Thargoid is referred to as the Tharglet so the little drones that they form are Thargons a baby Tharglet a larval th- a larval Thargoid is called a Tharglet just so you know so diggatory you were right
1: oh that right. hurt that hurt for you didn't it
0: it did it did but I, I promised him I'd do it Cause- but he-, he was getting wind up because we were-, we were calling the baby things tharg- Tharglets all the time and he was like oh. no they're Thargons
1: uh, my fault then because I I've always called them thuglets.
0: Well, I I was I got into a nice discussion and we wound up going back to the sources, which is the only way to really do law research. Really,
1: is and, that the, is know, that the same source that is in uh, Kate Russell's book, the Thar-
0: No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no, this is. I went to the BBC manual from Ian Bell's website, and I was trawling through that, looking through the the scanned in images of that. And I was reading, reading through them, and reading through them, and then I saw on page twenty nine that the little ships are called Thargons. Yeah, mm. but this is only after I found that in the Dark Wheel, the juvenile form is called a Tharglet. Tharglet.
1: So that's almost thirty years of me getting it wrong.
2: Uh,
0: well, it, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that it, it hurts for you as well, does it, Colin? No, not really. It, it's a game.
2: It's it's, and
0: you know. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, and, yeah, I've always felt, as, as, as scientists, there is no wrong, it's all it's all good, we accept the reality, and we move on.
1: I think I've just b- broken someone's immersion.
0: <laughs> what, with a far gun or a Tharglette?
1: No, by saying it's a game. Oh, right, okay.
0: <laughs> right, well, I think we're going to crack on with the development news for this week, so we've got beta 4 update, Update Beta 2.2, update 4 dropped. Now, was there anything in that? There was a fairly muckle changelog, but was there anything in there that kind of grabbed you guys?
1: Well, not really. It did... Um, it's It was mostly balances and, and uh, fixes uh, from bugs reported by commanders so far. I mean, they've gone and done a little bit of uh, changes to the fighter weapons, making them even more powerful than they were before. Thank you very much uh and yeah making sure that some of the uh the missions are better balanced and some of the portraits work in 6 by 9 but apart from that um to be honest it does seem that there's nothing there that they've added new functionality it's all been balancing issues which seems to be good oh but there is um one particular thing if you are stupid enough in my humble opinion To be using a mouse and a keyboard, Um, they've gone and changed the way that they detect pitch, roll, and yaw. So you should be able to respond better.
0: That sounds like a good thing to me.
1: Mm. But then again, yeah. But then again, (laughs) you're using a mouse. You mental.
0: I've heard from some PvPers apparently that the mouse is actually better than a joystick.
1: You go wash your mouth out with soap and water.
0: I'm just reporting on what I've heard. That you know, apparently they're finding it more precise to aim and to fly your ship using a mouse.
1: I'm not going to even dignify that with a reply.
0: <laughs> but you have just replied.
2: You stop picking
1: on Colin, or are you going to have me to deal with? <laughs> I'm, I'm going for dignity silence, because no matter what I uh, try, it's not my fault he's not feeling the dead air, is it?
0: <laughs> I'm le- I'm letting you go with that dead air. You no, know? <laughs> uh, nah, so Grant, what about yourself, sir? Is there anything that's grabbing you, or are you you all happy with all that Well, no,
2: I've just had one of
0: those. Um, You're coming you- in very quiet, by the way.
2: <laughs> oh, is is that better being by... that's much better. better you fat-arsed little furry little monster what the hell did you do i sat on my cables <laughs> and pulled it out right um i have not had a chance to play elite this week i have not had a chance to have a look at anything whatsoever so i am just here to be eye candy and what eye candy yeah you, you should have been the host <laughs> I could well there yeah, that would have made sense, wouldn't it? Would you well, In which case, Ben, Ben, do you have anything you'd like to raise from the Dev Diary this week?
0: This is like car no, television. Now no, 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 that you just... kind of... <laughs> I
1: thought that, was, that was the you smoothest changeover it. we've had.
0: Yeah, I've there's in Beta 2.2 they've added in a whole load of tutorials, and I've been playing through the tutorials, and wow, they are so good now. Yeah, it's like you're doing. It's almost like a wee storyline where you start uh, you out. Yes.
1: Colin? I I haven't said the word.
0: Okay. <laughs> mm. yeah, it it's... started out and it it's so good. I loved it. It's like
2: you you shut up, you lot. <laughs> it's not. us. no, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. You you actually interrupted yourself, and I don't know how that happened. It was brilliant. <laughs> Oh, I'm
0: breaking
2: already. We just, we just, just end the show and just go. And you know, next week we'll be back, <laughs> and we promise we'll be far better. We promise. Actually, to be honest, we've got such a really interesting. Don't we say that every week? We got a really interesting main topic to get to tonight as well, which is you know exciting. I we've got. We just, We've got Mr. Stroud popping in to, to keep us right and keep us sensible, so guys, bear with us while we try and find our own arses at the moment, <laughs> so I promise we'll try and do that. Right. I'm gonna. I'm not going to bother, I'm
0: just going to say, play the tutorials in beta if you can, or play them when the game goes live, they are awesome, you will enjoy it. Right, and I believe we have a Mr. Jarvis joining us in the Sidewinder now, so how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. We're just crashing and burning like normal.
3: how uh, is is it not going well?
0: Yeah, it's going Excellent. fine. We've just had commanders can't hear us. Um, then I'm hearing myself twice and interrupting myself. And yeah, it's it's yeah. a standard lay radio show to be honest.
1: Uh, yeah, we're, your uh, voice is not we're crashing the more than fozzer are in an asteroid field. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right, well, we've just covered the patch notes for Beta (coughs) 4, unless there's anything that you're wanting to add to them, Chris.
3: Uh, Only that I've got installer problems with it again.
0: Oh, not again. So you're on the same as Colin.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I need someone. I'll figure out which file I need. So hopefully, someone can send me a file if they've got a working installation, because that does seem to fix the problem.
1: Yeah, I must admit, I'll have to give a shout out to Commander Falcon on the Frontier Help Twitter feed, because he sorted me out. Uh, went above the Call of Duty to get to get me up and running. So zero uh, seven to you, Commander, or is it oh seven? 7 Oh
3: seven. just kind of poking yourself in the ear.
1: <laughs> is it? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: is the Benny Hill salute?
3: Yeah. Can't you get arrested right. for that
0: kind of behaviour? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, next thing we're moving on to is an experiment that Sandra is running about Hatch Breakers just getting real. And basically, they're pimping the hatch breakers, so they're no longer going to be affected by shields. So, in other words, you're going to be able to fire a hatch at a ship with sh- shields in it, which is pretty epic. Um, <laughs> okay. Yep. Now, yep. on the other hand, they're still going to be effect- They still cannot be shot down by point defense, which I, th- I thought that point defense could shoot side sidewalk- what could shoot hatch breakers down, but apparently they can't. Uh, ECR will blow up your hatchbreaker and it'll also make your hatchbreaker drop from from the hull. And they're still travelling at 300 metres a second. Um, Basically, they're trying to get a little bit of a buff in for piracy, seeing what happens, and it's just an experiment, and we'll see what happens. So that's something that Sandra's investigating. Do you guys think this is a good thing, bad thing, not a thing?
1: Well, I think it's a good thing. Good thing all around, because the I think the one thing that has been lacking lately has been sort of um, a bit of love for the pirates, not the griefers, the pirates, the people yeah. that, that will steal steal cargo but don't want to kill you. Uh, and having done a little bit in in a, a lawless systems, just as an experiment to test it out, um, I must admit the um, getting the shields down for uh, on an NPC ship, especially, is very frustrating. Uh then you launch your, your uh, hatch breaker, and then the commander, the NPC, will then actually try and kill you, instead of actually, you thought, you know, I'm in a vulture, you're in a type 7, I will wipe the floor with you, you might as well just run away once I've got what I want. Uh, but no, they, they come around and try and get you. So if you can just knock out the uh, the, the cargo hatch, scoop what you need and get out, that's, that's a much better, much better way of doing a. Uh, Long John Silver.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to. I like the idea that you can just launch the hatch breakers, and they'll, you know, they're flying so slowly they don't get affected by shields. Something I don't know. Or however, however, we want to pretend it happens. But I, I like the fact that they ignore the shields and just latch on and start gobbling away at your your your, your cargo bay. I think I they, think it's a good thing as well.
2: They must have some kind of shield disruptor on them, or or some other kind of relevant hand waving. I, I
0: definitely some kind of hand wavium going on there, but I can
3: live with that. I say, surely then you could just fit like a, a hull bre- uh, sorry, a hatch breaker, fit it to like a rail cannon or something, and just fire it through through their hull. <laughs> sorry, I'm thinking re- I'm thinking real world science <laughs> again. Never mind. I, I, um, I think it's I think it's an interesting idea because what, what's quite interesting is obviously if you, if you try and use a hatch breaker on a slightly more heavily armed ship, yes, you're going to get them to drop their cargo, but then you're going to have to you know pick up all the cargo and it gives your opponent a chance to kind of shoot you back i mean obviously i'm hoping that you will still get marked as hostile and still get marked as wanted if you attach a hatch breaker to a ship without firing on it yes you do i'm assuming that's the case because otherwise it, it doesn't is make sense case. but yeah i think it's been interesting and i think you're right i think this is a, a step in the right direction for proper piracy rather than just people going around hunting ships that are under an spec for combat um um, I do think I do, yeah I do still think there's issues with game balance for for traders, but hopefully fighters will provide that. I don't know how well that's been going in beta, in terms oh, of people actually.
1: It's been going fantastic. As someone mm. who's been involved in a bit of player on player, <laughs> player player shenanigans, um, I will say that the fighters are more than enough for a mm. uh, for a trader to defend themselves, and the fact that the only certain ships. Have a fighter bay, and those yeah. ships are the most unmaneuverable <laughs> slugs that there are in the game. You Apart need from them the Type to... 7. Well, the Type Seven. Well, they've got a mod. They've... One of the other bits of news is they've gone and, and done a pass on the Type Seven and toughened it up a lot.
3: Okay. Yeah,
1: they're... yeah, they're, they've upped the armor, uh, not the shields, but they've upped the armor, <laughs> not some of the internals, really to. Um, to, to make sure that when, if someone comes in on a Type 7, that it's got more than the flying coffin of a chance it had before.
3: Okay. Awesome. Right, and we've got
0: one more thing to very quickly cover. And I don't think it can really be said any other way other than module storage is eventually coming in beta 5. So that beta 5 mm-hmm. should be dropping basically any day this week. And we're going to be able to store our modules, so huzzah for that.
3: Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really hoping that at some point this beta installer is going to work because one of the things I want to do is while all the ships are cheap, because I'm such a poor commander, I want to be able to get in and record sounds for a lot of the higher-end vehicles that I've never had so that we've got access to those sound effects for escape velocity. That'd mm-hmm. be really good. I, ha- I have to admit
0: the blueger beluga- the and the... Oh, the I like the sign of the Imperial Cutter, is it? That's the big one? Mm, or possibly. Imperial Corvette? No, Federal Corvette, Imperial the large imperial
2: one
0: well yeah, presumably
3: even in beta I can't pick that up without having imperial rank no you can just pick it up however uh, you want to oh can you okay yeah because I don't have any of the um, passenger liner line of um, ships at all for sound effects and uh, so yeah it'd be really handy
0: yeah that will be right so I believe now we're waiting on Mr. Stroud to join us in gate, in, in the Sidewinder so are you with us yet Alan or are you coming
4: Uh, I'm right here. Hey,
0: Alan, how are you doing?
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Um, Just got off a phone call with my mum. My dad is having an operation tomorrow, so we're just uh, going through the details of uh, of the bits and pieces. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, You know, it is what it is. Um, In the middle of uh, a second week of term, so everything is very, very, very busy at the moment. So, um, yeah, you know. Just trying to trying to muddle through as we can, but uh, you you have a particular topic which you summoned me for, Ben.
0: I did, yeah. So this all basically came around because in the Beatus channel, Steve Kirby went off and said there are some things in places that we want you to look at and investigate, and then f- report back to us. To which everybody went, huh? What are you wanting us to listen to? Where?" You wanted to listen to, and then he went off and said, "Well, there's stuff in Lave and there's stuff in Sol, the stuff in Colonia," to which everybody went, "Huh? I've fro- flown around Sol for many many hours, can't find anything," and <laughs> and so on. And then it's like, right, guys, at look on Garnet, I've posted when things are playing and the stuff that you meant to listen to. Um, so we went off and did that, and I and then we were actually able to listen to it and see what was what and basically a uh, satellite comes out and starts broadcasting a audio stream that lasts for around about 20 minutes. It's, it's a repeated stream, and it's basically a sequence of numbers that it goes on for 10 minutes, then it repeats itself for another 10 minutes. And this is obviously giving us a code that needs to be decoded, mm-hmm. and things need to go on from there. But Steve is asking us some very specific questions here saying, does this provide interesting gameplay? Did the sequence make sense? And were there issues with the flow, flow and mechanics? And I thought this is something we might want to talk about because yeah, Frontier have talked about improving their the way that they're presenting story to us. Mm-hmm. I know in the show we've talked about that we would like the mysteries of Elite to not just be for the 1% as as Jarvis was saying mm. and what the heck do we do? Um, now? now I'll, I'll provide my feedback first because yeah, basically I've done it uh-huh. um, so it just, that seems like a, re- a reasonable starting point. Now I th- think that the majority of players probably aren't going to want to listen to, assuming they even stumble across this thing, mm. I would think that the majority of people aren't going to want to listen to a ten-minute audio stream, mm. writing it down. So writing down one, 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 five, yeah. and so yeah. on for ten minutes.
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not convinced that it's a good idea because it basically is taking you out of game to solve it.
4: Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, go on. But
0: I like these little puzzles. I like thinking about things i like cryptography is quite interesting really Mm -hmm. um but i just don't know if it is interesting enough for the majority of people to actually do anything with
4: okay um uh does chris want to want to jump in first
3: it was just really what you were saying about um the, the puzzle solving taking you out out of game, I've been having some thoughts about this sort of yesterday and today because um, I've been playing a game on the DS called Adventure Bar Story, which is a sort of Japanese RPG where you're running a restaurant and when you go out questing, you're kind of collecting ingredients to make, um, you know, meals in your in your restaurant. And one of the things about the game is that there is a there is a puzzle about actually filling in your recipe book. So you'll get like a fragment of a recipe. So something like roast beef, it will. T- tell you you need beef and you need an oven and you need to kind of figure out the rest of the the ingredients and if you've got another roast meat recipe in your book you can look at what that contains and you can start you can start to fill in the blanks one of the things interesting is that some of the recipes you come across there doesn't seem to be any in-game information Mm. to to tell you what the ingredients are for that particular meal now me because I do a lot of cooking there's a lot of recipes in that recipe book that I've just used (laughs) real world knowledge (laughs) you know to fill in so there was one for squid sushi and it gave me the squid and it had two blanks so I added rice and vinegar and of course squid rice and vinegar is you know near enough squid sushi um and then it it got me to thinking about well actually is there then a difference between me going onto a forum and looking up all Mm. the recipes that I haven't worked yet out in the game or me going to the kitchen and opening a recipe book and looking up the recipes for the games for the for the menu for the recipes in the menu that i don't know and in a weird sort of way in my head i feel like going onto a game forum and finding the answers is cheating but picking (laughs) up a recipe book in the real world and looking for inspiration is is engaging with the spirit of it but i couldn't tell you what the difference is
4: yeah okay so essentially i mean that's a slight tangent but um it it works really well in terms of, of chatting about it um um, there's you know you could probably work out quite a few different types of gameplay where essentially what people are doing is they're they're taking advice you know they're making use of all, all the the different out-of-game tools the go- different out-of-game postings uh wikis etc etc to to um to effectively shortcut the learning experience a little bit now uh that's that's fine you know I mean it, you know you make your choice in terms of whether you're a purist and you have to you know have to experience it all and get it all uh uh you know sort of um undiluted or you you decide you need a little bit of help to get started that's you know that's fine to, to make your choice but it mm. is this this comes down to the the fundamental difference between quest mechanics and journey mechanics and actually what what elite's been struggling with a little bit is quite a lot of its its initial premise is is journey so you're thrown into a you're thrown into a sandbox and i'll i'll it's all right ben i'll explain it it's fine um so journey is self-derived story journey is basically is when you um you are creating your own experience your own story and you you kind of your your memory of of what's going on appears to be you know what so like the
0: original elite that would be complete journey
4: yeah yeah pretty much other than the moments where you have the the tide died scenario our son is going nova will you help us yes or no you know, or the, you know, the couple of very minuscule missions that you have in it, you know, you're essentially what you're doing is you're forging your own path. And the story that you construct is entirely based on where you go. There is, there is some contrivance because obviously, you know, if food is cheaper in one place than the other, then that's going to shape where you go. And actually, um, prior to Elite Alpha release, if you remember, John Stabler put uh, a little frontier trade commodity game up on the, uh, the Live Radio web website mm-hmm. you know that felt like journey to begin with but gradually people worked out the patterns and so they worked out how you know how certain commodities would rise and how certain commodities would fall and so you, you're se- essentially working out how to make the steps between the two things so but it was self-discovery in you know in what it was so you know it feels like a journey but it doesn't um uh, you know it is still contrived and all of these things in games are, are still contrived so this is where, you know, to a point, and this I've got a, a paper I've got to write this, this winter about this, this is where No Man's Sky fell down, because No Man's Sky presents itself as journey, and then gradually you start to realize that there are contrivances. So the, you know, the settlement layouts on every planet are pretty much identical. If you do X, Y, or Z, it always has the same outcome. Uh, if you fly to here, press this button, do this and do this you will automatically get a um off your exosuit or an extra shot for your your ship which is the thing you really need um the only way you can get atlas stone stage two is if you shoot through this door etc no matter what planet you're on etc etc so the constraint is kept away from you but it's actually there um so it's a hidden quest mechanic dressed up as journey with elite what we've actually got is to start with you've got sat sandbox and 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 sort of journey, but as soon as you start opting in to different types of gameplay, you realise that you've opted into a quest, and a quest is a constrained story, whereas journey is self-derived, and you're working out what you do, you know, next and what you do next. Quest is about we have to do this for this outcome to happen. So immediately the game is funneling you into uh, a set of parameters and a set of behaviour. So you pick a mission up. You want to succeed that mission because you want the reward. Therefore, you're constrained in terms of your behavior. You have to go to this star system. You have to go to this location. You have to speak to this person. You have to then fly to this star system, destroy this ship, get back to this place, and you'll get this amount of credits and so on. Where Elite becomes much more interesting is when it tries to implement journey mechanics. And similarly, there's then a step on from that in terms of how the player base behaves with those journey mechanics so um, there's a nice media example here where we look at i don't know lost lost is a good media example it's always a great media example um, people who have uh, watched more of lost or have found more of the secret websites or of um you know and obviously we're talking a few years ago or have been on the wiki and you know and, and found out this and found out that have a certain amount of knowledge and that knowledge can cascades downwards so people and they infuse they become enablers so then people who who you know sort of casually watch they will ask their friend who's an expert and so you end up with these hierarchies of information where the the knowledge cascades down so you're you're actually creating gameplay for people you know in in a quite a rarefied space so talking about the the example you've given ben with the the coded sequence you're creating gameplay for people in a very small space you said as you know as you did that there's probably only a few people that will that will have the patience to to grind that out but then that knowledge cascades downwards so so it it puts them in positions of privilege to then impart that knowledge to others and if that knowledge then has effect on what those others do i.e. that code provides a secret location that people can jump to to find out something else about something else you're starting to see a derived Um, you know, a derived story mechanic that feels like the players have generated it. It's still contrived. There is still, you know, every game has contrivance, but it feels like the players are generating it. Um, I'm a big supporter of more journey mechanics for Elite. You know, I, I actually, you know, this one sounds like it's got a design flaw in that, you know, it will start by only beginning with a few players, and, you know, you may only end up with a niche of players involved in it, but journey mechanics are are the way when, you know, you start to make people feel like they own the game a lot more in terms of when you start implementing journey mechanics.
3: Okay, well, when we were talking about this the other week and I was sort of criticising this element of game design for actually, you know, it being something that only the 1% of players work mm-hmm. out and everyone else mm-hmm. is along for the journey. One of the things I, I kind of gave as an analogy, and it was a shame you sort of weren't there for the discussion, I was talking about with LA how you would get certain character, not just certain characters, but certain yeah. players who mm-hmm. were kind of known to be plot sponges. Yeah, yeah. So you, you would you would generate a bunch of plot and you would yeah. send the catalyst for that plot, usually in the form of an NPC, over yeah. to the player camp. And the same three or four faces would yeah. suddenly descend on the gate and, and they would kind yeah. of absorb and solve all of that plot. And actually for the general player base of LARP, and I remember, yeah. this one of the things you didn't like about, about the way that the kind of big plot worked I think
5: mm. was
3: that when the, when the majority of players get involved it's only when it's got as far as saying we've worked out this thing in order to yeah. resolve this thing we need to go over into that field and have a big fight and yeah, for most of the players yeah. that's the only bit of the game the actual gameplay they see the the yeah. plot might cascade down so everyone like a TV show everyone experiences plot but in terms of actually getting gameplay from it surely yeah. there is an element of which actually the wider player base aren't really getting anything other than a than a effectively a, a, um, a you know a fight out of it at the end yeah, of the yeah.
1: thing
4: yeah that's the flaw and i mean you know to take your larp analogy there is there is a, a problem in larp in that essentially that's the that's a quest mechanic what, what we've got to be careful with is not confusing the two because if the npc comes out and says there's a bit of information that you need then the players who interact with that first up and start doing the decoding know yeah they've got a certain amount of freedom in terms of what they're doing but ultimately it's coming down to a linear uh choice we go into a field and kill the big bad we save the world again we save the world again it's a quest mechanic um the journey mechanic that comes into all of that is the fact that when people are in a larp field what they're doing is socially interacting with each other playing their characters with each other and kind of being those kind of you know even if you're a foot soldier you're being a foot soldier alongside another hundred foot soldiers who are um having a party the night before the um a battle that they they probably won't win but then they do win you know and obviously it you know so so the experience comes in those moments of camaraderie rather than in those moments of solve if you see what i'm saying now to go back to the journey mechanic here so i I gave you guys today i gave you an example with regards to passenger missions now it sounds like a little bit like Um, because we've got a lot of opt-in quests in elite at the moment you know if you if you decide to be part of power play it's an opt-in quest if you decide to take on a mission it's an opt-in quest Um, with passenger missions a method a method of implementing passenger missions could be that you get get a load of passengers aboard your ship and then rather than go through this idea of take them to a a set of predetermined um, nice places you take them anywhere you want however the passengers then rate you based on whether you've taken them to nice places or not so actually you it's still a contrivance you know there is still a contrivance to what's there but you have this option of controlling the nature of the experience which makes it much more of a journey mechanic if we're talking about um yeah if you talk about pvp pvp tends to be a journey mechanic because you can't control the outcome but of course what is an issue is that fundamentally and you know and i'll make no bones about this because you don't want everything to be a journey mechanic it depends on you know your preference but fundamentally that's the end of the journey that's the journey that's the that's that's the experience going to its logical end so you have a complete story of that character rather than which we get in a lot of games and you know we certainly have an elite insurance respawn you know whatever you want to call it a contrivance to bring the character back in some way now you can hide that quite carefully if it's an escape pod you know you're essentially you're you're giving an in game reason and it feels very story you know it feels feels nice and sort of connected but if you just rematerialize in the same spot you know and then carry on or, or you rematerialize you know somewhere you know essentially it's it's not part of uh the way in which you devise that story experience for yourself um in terms of what you do so yeah you know i mean what i was saying initially is that to assess ben's example it sounds like a slightly flawed journey mechanic because fundamentally you will only have a few players at the top part of that interaction um one of the ones that we another example that we do use in larp which actually i'd love to see elite dangerous uses bauble plot and bauble plot is basically you bring an object into a game that has game changing properties but that object is placed in such a way as it could be taken up by any group of players and so they are encouraged to and it may have different properties for different groups so they're encouraged to fight over it or they're encouraged to trade over it or they're encouraged to politic over it because pvp is not just about fighting if you've got the right mechanics installed in your game to interact um so yeah so you know there's there's quite a lot of ways you can shape this and if you're if you're fundamentally going back to the player. Thinking about what the player's experience is and what the player is remembering of their experience when they log off their computer, you know what the sensations are, what the moments are. Usually, those moments are not in the mission screen, and not in the moments when you when you do, you, you you find out you've got to go from here to here. They're in the moments between players when they wing up and you know and take on more ships than they're capable of, and somebody you know somebody pulls off a surprising maneuver or something like that they're in the the moments of chat between players when they're talking about what they're trying to do so actually we already self-devise journey moments within these quest narratives and they are they're the things that actually are more memorable so you know if game designers think about journey mechanics a little bit more then you know and and providing opportunities for journey mechanics then i think we should should support them i wouldn't say though that this particular example is going to you know it's not going to hit the mass populace very easily in that regard but it will create an information pyramid
3: would you say then that it's not necessarily because if you're talking about the journey moments and the stuff that's interesting is kind in kind of self determining gameplay if yeah. the interesting stuff is the players interacting with each other and kind of creating their own game mm. i mean are you sort of saying that actually from frontiers point of view it's not a game designer's job to fill the game full of content and quests they just need to provide a space and a context because I remember, you know, going back to the LARP example, mm. I remember that you, you, you never really involved yourself particularly in the game plot. Mm. Mm. The, you mm. know, there were no kind of story quests or any particular yeah. adventures. All of your stuff that you would do would be gameplay that you would generate yourself with other players. And yeah. the plot team didn't really have any, you know, interaction yeah. with you and you didn't have any interaction with the plot team. Um,
4: because, so, it's, because it's fundamentally repetitive. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. and and you'll find that and i think that ports from larp directly into this you know fundamentally whatever frontier do in terms of when you when you start creating constrained systems you're essentially creating repetitive systems i'm not saying what i'm actually not saying is they shouldn't do anything what i'm saying is that actually you have to design in a different way you have to design in ways that encourage people to um to 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 make their own stories you know the one Thing that frontier is uh, well certainly elite dangerous is really good for is explorers in terms of doing this if you encourage people to explore you encourage them to make their own stories jack station gives people a target the yeah. story of your journey to jack station is your journey to jack station it's not anybody else's journey to jack station because yeah, it's so yeah. difficult to get there it's it becomes um, you know your own quest your, your, your own well not quest is the wrong word but it becomes your own thing and you've opted in to begin with you can opt out at any stage it has much more of an elusive quality to it you know unless you've taken on a mission and the reward is quite clear actually you know you're the, the romance of going there is part of the you know you know the, the the sort of almost it's almost like you know the the mountain climber isn't it why do you climb a mountain because it's there you know the kind of the yeah. challenge of of what something is and that's that's you know that is part of and and you know every player that does that will be thinking more about the think the memorable things that happened along the way um which is you know we're back to uh, um mcguffins and road movies you know road movies are all about you know they're set up to um that they have to go and do something but actually by the time they get there whatever it is it doesn't matter because they've grown as people on their on their travel to get there you know so the macguffin is is kind of irrelevant um in uh you know in stories you tend to find in in books and what have you it tends to find that these things are much more prescriptive because of course they're you know you've got to turn the pages but interactive books you have a different experience um it's not quite the same because it is, because it is constrained and gain freedom in this regard so you know I, I just think embrace the freedom you know find find ways that encourage the wanderlust because that's actually what the quality of most elite gameplay is that said i think we're culturally inclined not to uh, um, not to want these things and to not realize how much work goes into these things because we've had so much gameplay that's prescriptive yeah
3: no that's interesting would you not say that the ua's count as a bauble plot
4: yep by your kind of definition yeah they do Um, however they're not empowered. Okay. is the the difference what they don't do directly is empower players um, over other players
0: no the uas it, no it's not the it's the unknown probes where if you do a scan they'll basically disable everybody's power supply and things like that yeah
4: now you know, that's, that, that's that's observability
0: yeah. that's a wee bit of babblism isn't it
4: yeah yeah and uh, if you can if you can find a way to direct it whilst you are in- in the middle of a fight or something like that yeah. then yeah would, yeah it sure. it would
0: affect your power as well but yes
4: yeah which and and if you did that one night if you went out and you were doing some stuff and you got you know you had four pirates chasing you in a wing or something and you came across a UA um, uae and you basically you you triggered it to dis- disable all their power and then you managed to get your systems up online quick enough and then hyperspaced out that would be the highlight of your night wouldn't it
0: yeah that would definitely be would, would, okay you'd You'd lose your unknown probe, which is kind of rare, but you'd still be alive, which would be kind of awesome.
4: And And it's a hell of a story. Yeah, wouldn't you be talking about that for the next week?
0: Well, exactly. It's it's definitely a a massive story. Um, uh, It's your own story.
4: Yeah, and the thing is with bauble Plot is, yes, that kind of does, and Chris is right, that that does kind of fulfill some of the parameters. But usually when you chuck it in, what you're expecting is that all the different factions have different reasons for taking it actually the you know the competition to be the next faction in power play kind of feels a bit like bauble plot but it was then prescribed because it was in a whole series of tests that had a whole series of point scores which are quest mechanics so you're constraining the players to fit into particular things whereas actually I, you know I, I very difficult to you know because politics isn't an object um, what we you know we' did once we had a uh, we had a device that um, five different factions of players all had a fragment of this device if they put all the fragments together then it gave them power over an army and but of course they had to negotiate with each other as to who put them together because whoever put them together was the one that got the power so q you know horse trading deal making etc etc even up to the moment where they put the five things in somebody then tried to steal the objects which of course made everything really tense and you know and then there was a kind of calm down moment and then eventually they gave it to the right person and the army arrived and you know it was all good but you 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 see the kind of you know this this creates methods for for people to start thinking about um you know uh very ownership of of elements within the game and and elements of the you know of of the gameplay as well that are beyond the prescriptive um you know systems that you already have within a mission generator you know this this is tough it's difficult to run it's dirty it um yeah you know, the players will sometimes do things you won't think of and you have to adapt you have to think on your, your feet it's hard it's not easy you know and it certainly isn't well frontier should just let them go and get on with it because you're actually giving people the ability to affect the game which is kind of a bit different to how, you know, how the premise is pitched, because the the players, you know, fluctuate in terms of their ability to affect the game.
0: Just wondering, would you say that the BGS manipulation then is definitely a journey?
4: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, anything that that gives you the opportunity to look at something, and and you know, let's let's bear in mind here, journey and quest mechanics are not they're not mutually exclusive. You can have both. You can have e either but you can identify them by the the things that are that give you more of the illusion of freedom of exploration of something of discovery of something feel more like journey mechanics whereas the stuff that constrains you feels more like a quest mechanic um ultimately you know we have to acknowledge the fact that all games are contrived so all of the all of the journey mechanics are still a contrivance but anything that allows you to the freedom of the Thinking around what you're doing with an object or with a situation or with an adversary, you know, um, I wonder what the opportunities are to negotiate. You know, we, we've talked a bit about um, PVP piracy and where players attempt to chat to people and threaten them like a highwayman, which is, you know, honestly, I've, I've, I've experienced that on, on, you know, on being on the end of it. And actually it's pretty cool. I quite like that kind of stuff. Um, but where that's not engaged with, um, you know, is going back to this sort of cultural thing, this thing where, you know, we're not we're, you, we're sort of we're not we're not prepared or adapted for this this kind of stuff. But similarly, you know, if an NPC is there and you can negotiate with the NPC rather than fight the NPC or you can, you know, you can find different outcomes, not just from a drop down list, then you're starting to, to get into something that feels much freer, uh, you know, horrendously Difficult to try and do that on a on a chat system, um, but you know uh, we can wish, can't we? We can wish.
0: It's almost as if you'd want a every every NPC to basically be an AI with its <laughs> own set of goals and manipulations, yeah. and it's like, you know, this is what I want to do. It's it's pipe. And this is how I talk yeah. to things. Yeah, well, this is pipe genes now. But you know, maybe in yeah. 20, yeah. 30 years time or whatever, it might actually turn into reality. Yeah, it's it pipe one, one of my biggest. Bugbears of a recent game was in Fallout 4, where you know, I'm I'm the I'm the boss of about four different factions. Mm. I should be allowed to say, right, you guys all play nice, or me and my army will kick your butts.
4: <laughs>
0: Instead, I I don't have that as an option. It's got to be us or them.
4: Yeah, you're not
0: you're, not us and them.
4: You're coming up against the contrivance. Yeah, and mm.
0: it just it 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 wound me up so much i really didn't i almost didn't want to finish playing the game
1: yeah
0: right chris what are you wanting to pop in with
3: no i was just i was wondering uh, um so if if we're sort of talking about the difference between sort of you know journey mechanics and quest mechanics is there not an argument to say that actually the open nature of elite dangerous is that you are your journey is made up of the micro quests that you choose to take on so the overall game to me isn't one giant quest i can take on you know i can do mining which is a closed loop in itself or i can do passenger missions or i can do assassination missions but actually my overall journey as a player and as an individual commander is actually the elements of that life that i choose to dip in and out of so there's no you know there's no end game for me in a sense
4: no i i I agree with you in that um it is you know uh, the way in which elite dangerous has been set up is there is a essentially a library full of quests so by chaining those quests together you are creating your own journey however when you go into those quests they are constrained mechanics and therefore to a point you are is constrained by them so there is a you know we we can devote you know you could devote a certain amount of design to creating more of that library of quests what i'm suggesting is that actually sometimes the more meaningful things are when you create small elements that are, are in the game that feel much freer in terms of your options of interacting with them which is closer to being pure journey you know because you're defining you're defining the narrative for yourself much more clearly in that regard um i doubt very much um you know the, the examples that we're giving in terms of um memorable moments you know most of those are based on game play that is um self-derived or is gameplay that has emerged out of choosing to do something not because of necessarily the choice has some input on it but ultimately it could be one of 26 different missions that causes this this amazing thing to happen the mission itself is not crucial so the mission is repetitive and the mission is the constraint um do do you see what i mean
3: yeah yeah yeah, no, no, no I get where you're coming from. Just want to move this
0: on a wee bitty. So, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about, again, in the past is we want to present story better. Mm. How would we... I don't see how we'd be doing that using the journey mechanics that you're on about. And this, It sounds like quest mechanics would be the right way to present it, but would you say journey is possible for this? Or is it... Absolutely. Is it... uh, um, how would you do it then, using journey, using a journey okay. mechanic rather than? So you the, know, first thing, the first Commander Ben, I need you to yep. do this.
4: The first thing you do is you input a captain's log into the, um, and you know, forgive the euphemism, it's after nine o'clock. Um, but you have, you basically have a, a, a logging system inside your ship, so you should be able to create your own story about where you've been and where you're going, um, and there should be some uh, some tools in there that already map some of that some of that element so if you've you know if you're an explorer and you're going out on the rim then what should happen is that your journey out there all the different stops you're making should be logged in there and then underneath that you want a free you know a free text edit section so you can basically you know say this say this say this and then you want the opportunity to either publish that or you want the opportunity to log that at space stations in game straight away you've got the ability to bring that story directly to other players and it creates a, an immediate hub of you know of, of enhancing that story in terms of what's there if what you're saying ben is to bring in more of the external stories i.e., the, the external fiction into what's there then actually what you do is you start shaping the fiction towards events that you know that happen in the book and events that are happening in game. So you try and create more synergy between the two things. Now, you know, um some things could could work that way. Uh I, I think one of the ones that I wanted, and you know, and obviously is is you know still is a eventually there might be something in in terms of how to you know to do something about it, is that um uh Walden's laboratories. If anyone's read *Lay Revolution, Walden's laboratories were abandoned are they they're somewhere in the lave system um are the permits for particular places you know therefore are these areas restricted what's going on in those laboratories someone manages to find their way in someone finds out what's going on um they then you know relay code information back to other people or a special cargo back to other people that cargo does something else it infects a, um you know a space station so they you know they now are requesting urgent medical supplies people have to go you know so you essentially you can start bringing all sorts of different things you know in together in terms of the way that works what you would do is you would use the existing fiction as seeds to create emergent gameplay in that regard
1: but didn't they try something like that with the um, with the location of the wreck they they, mm-hmm. they put seeds out yep. for people to track down yep. and the restraint was that as, as Chris pointed out um, it's seemed to work for the people that were involved you know the two or three people that yeah uh, yeah yeah. that discovered all this but it seemed wasted on the rest of us
4: yeah which is where the cascading is not going if you see what i mean you know what you can't do you're doing it wrong and you know and I'll, i'll say this i've made these mistakes you're doing it wrong if all the effort that you put in is wasted on two or three players you're doing it right if the effort that you've put in is not wasted on those players because those players are incentivized to then information because by sharing that information they accrue something or they gain something further um the the crude method is the one that chris alluded to which was npc turns up npc talks to key players key players solve plot solve puzzle solve thing go to a summon meeting of all other players tell all other players tomorrow morning we're going to fight so and so but we need special magic sword x and group c must use special magic sword x to kill boss d so the <laughs> whole army gets destroyed you know so actually the um the three players interaction with that npc means something you know has to mean something in terms of what they then deliver forwards and of course from a LARP point of view the lovely thing there was that um that reinforces the status of those individuals Become always the go-to people, and you you still see that. You know, essentially there are there's the the law squad effectively is deployed on the plot, and then the law squad gives it to the rest of the the faction, and the rest of the faction then march to where the law squad tell them to go. So you know there is a, a cascaded hierarchy, but I think I think elite can do do that better.
0: In elite uh, terms, that'd be like canon, say getting some of these unknown probes or whatever, finding out what they're saying, sharing that information out yeah so then more players then go and try to find out more things
4: yeah Which Um, find out
0: more things which then go off and find the imperial capital ships sitting over unknown probes yeah potentially shooting at us
4: yeah or okay i'll give you a good example so say there's say there's one of these um devices out, out there it's decrypted and it gives a location and then somebody breaks into a storage lab somewhere that reveals um the Thargoids are actually in which space, it is a separate dimension, and there are weak points out in elite space um, and the probes are effectively giving you the coordinate locations and the times for when there will be a Thargoid incursion at that given point. Suddenly, canon have a crucial role in decoding that information and are completely incentivized to go and distribute that information to as many people as possible. Unless one of those locations happens to be in an area controlled by a faction they don't like. Guess what? They don't tell them. Suddenly Thargoids are pouring into that 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 system.
0: Thargoids are pouring into FTC's home system or something
4: like that. Yeah, exactly. Do you see now why that you know that's how a cascade plot can work. That's how you can can use the information at the top of the hierarchy to effectively then um grant um uh grant plot grant play grant interesting story to everybody else now the people who are at the top of that hierarchy they're loving it because of course they realize they are pivotal to the defense of human space and the people lower down um maybe the people who are broadcasting the signal you know if 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 for example if you had a device and i've said this before if you had a broadcast device in your spaceship that allowed you to to mass communicate across several systems that no other people could do you then have a crucial role in that process you become part of an alert network um you know uh, somebody else then you know they have the the biggest and best ship so they get you know they're they're in the vicinity they get there first so you know the fact that they're only in the the next nearest system and then they get the alert they're going to respond first you know those those um those happy few you know we're back to henry V 5th aren't we the 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 instant responders have to deal with the thargoid invasion for the first 5 or 10 minutes while everyone else is hyperspacing to get there how cool is that you know how cool is that it's cool but it's not
0: as cool as this spontaneous fight that's just kicked in <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: uh, uh, spontaneous fight
0: yes yeah, so we, we, we've got a sidewind to shoot them up Happening uh, at Lave Station just now. We've had Commander Payne and Commander Frank are both wanted. And <laughs> you know, they, they seem to be enjoying taking on everyone who is wanting to take them out.
4: I see. I, I thought this evening, wasn't there a plan this evening to try and take out our broadcast? There is.
0: We'll be doing that later, but this is you know, talking about the journey and things like that, this is just
4: spontaneous happens <laughs> <laughs> Emergent <laughs> gameplay if you like. It, abso- exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> We can, we, can, <laughs> we can analyze it later. Right now we can point, laugh, and enjoy. Sounds good. Oh,
0: and I'm twitching getting blown up by Commander Payne, so that's always
4: fun. <laughs> All right, so I think that kind of covers it, doesn't it, Ben? Um, there was something else I did
0: want to ask. Oh, sorry, I'm going to die here. I will accept my suicide. <laughs> um, so uh, how should we present? So we're, um, Steve Kirby's asking how how do we think that this is going?
2: Mm.
0: And you know, we we've seen some of the quests that Frontier have done. We've seen you know basic you know basic fetch quests and things like that. Yeah. What do you think about their idea of using the audio for it?
4: I, I like it. I I think it's great decryption, but the only thing I would say is that they should be doing a little bit more in terms of making the tools to you know, this is what Chris said. Making the tools to um, interact with whatever you're bringing out there. They should be in-game tools. Now, yeah. what I would do, what I would do is I would create a constraint that um, meant that the decryption, the you know, you stick it in the computer and the computer has to take a, you know, an amount of time to decrypt it. You know, I, I would I would do things like that. Um, that would make a lot of sense. Yes, in, encouraging people to go out of game to decrypt these things is uh, essentially you're losing people there um, mm-hmm. uh, i think i've talked about arseth before now um espen J. arseth is the the big games theorist of the the 1990s and the 2000s and he he comes up with this thing called ergotics and ergotics is the is when um when a text and by text we mean anything is difficult to interact with when it's more than trivial in terms of its effort so if you're asking and this this sorry this goes into some of my phd theory so when you're asking people to transition between their gameplay and an external um, you know an external resource of any kind but you, you are include pen and paper yeah you are essentially what you're doing is you are during that transition you can lose some people because they can't be asked you know yeah. that, that effort is more than trivial so they want to keep playing so and, and it actually makes very little sense as a designer for you to be encouraging people to step out of your game surely you want them to be playing your game more, right?
0: That would make sense to me. I so, agree there.
4: So, so it would be better that if you're going to have encoding tools, that you have decoding tools that are actually there, you know?
0: that would Yeah, so you go off and you you would... Okay, let's take the same idea, but yeah, we have these satellites yep. and we scan them, but our ship then maybe takes 10 minutes or something like that to decode it, and then it will present us li- like a little mess on screen saying right i've managed to decode this message it's saying go to sol 3 by 2200 and you might see some
4: yeah yeah a little bit but i'd I'd take it one step back a little bit so if you have any auto decoding system that's fine and you know and basically you put it in the bit in and you forget about it until the message pops up and it tells you what what you need to do um however if that system is also partially manual so you can set it it so it will auto decode and it maybe it'll take 30 minutes to auto decode or you can go into the manual screen and you can look at the encoded text and you can help the computer decode it by interacting with the signal manually do you see what i'm saying so that, that way that
0: sounds horribly like a mini game
4: yeah you're essentially shortening the time you know but you don't make that so in keeping with elite's entire idea of optionality what you do is you don't make that essential so you know the manual interaction is not essential um you can you know you can leave the computer to it but if you know that we need to know the next place where the thargoids are you know are going to to launch their attack we need this fast yeah Yeah. okay and we're in a war zone and we're trying to decode this all right let's go as a wing Um, ben you you go to the to the you know to the object you rendezvous with the object that you've got the coordinates with you get the signal you start decoding the three of us are going to roam around you and keep so anything going to and then protect, back. so it turns right. into
0: like a protection mission kind of thing absolutely but, it's,
4: but it isn't the thing is it is not a protection mission that you've gone off a list and you've gone and selected yeah. you've devised all the strategy in terms of how you're doing it so your ownership of that gameplay is so much more you know more visceral do you see what i'm saying mm-hmm yeah, so you know what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't you know make that manual interaction you know essential. I wouldn't make the automatic interaction essential. You know I try to you know to sort of vary it up so you can you know um, you know play it around. Uh, we we've talked a bit before on the podcast about keep talking or everyone explodes. The um, yep. you know the Oculus game and and what have you. You know the way that game works is because it it's the interaction between the two different play types. The interaction between the person who's dealing with the bot and the people are over the instruction manual again if you start thinking about how different play different types of play can interact with each other and you start catering for ideas that encourage different types of play to interact with each other you're on a winner because people people are relying on each other so they create community around that camaraderie you know it's 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 awesome when you get into that kind of stuff and it's it's you know it's a bit more advanced than i'll be the healer you be the wizard you be the you be the warrior you be the you know you know what i mean you know it's a little bit more advanced than those kind of specialisms it requires more hard skill in terms of what you're trying to do
0: No, i mean I'll, i i long um, i'm wondering a wee bit about okay so we take the the story of last year
4: mm-hmm. where
0: the emperor died yep and i think you know we we know it happened but we don't really know anything other than the galnet stuff yep how would you be tempted to present that to us in game as as our own journey of the emperor's death i guess
4: okay so so some way in which you can so you're putting me on the spot to ask me to to redefine
0: (laughs) i'm trying (laughs) to to think of something that we we covered yeah we we know the story that happened we know we know the emperor died we know he had he was ill for ages and then okay
4: so the emperor dies right the emperor dies they are are escorting his body to, um, to its state funeral. His body is stolen. There is then rumor of a ship that is, and someone decrypts a message about there being a ship that is leaving a particular system at a particular time that may hold the emperor's body. Unfortunately, they also decrypt, you know, another group of people decrypt another message that says the same thing. And another people, another message says the same thing. So there are about 20 different ships that all seem to be, or could be, the decoys that are, you know, um, have got the emperor's body. The one ship that is going, that does have the emperor's body, uh, um, whether it's attacked by players or it's attacked by NPCs, little bit of contrivance to make sure this happens, is um, is attacked and destroyed. They attempted to steal the body, but didn't succeed. So the the ship blows up, whether it was already, you know, auto destructed or anything else. However. When it blows up, there is then rumor that somebody has managed to scoop up parts of his DNA and that there have been DNA samples are now available in other places and so on and so forth. And then you have the opportunity for passion, passenger missions when individuals start coming up on screens to say, I need to be transported from here to here. And they look surprisingly like the emperor. And then someone else, I need to be <laughs> transported from here to here and they look surprisingly like the emperor and then you have these imperial hit squads basically saying uh, we are hunting um, you know anyone who who goes by the name of so and so we need them to return to imperial space immediately we are hunting and then you have federal sources saying you know special reward conducted for anyone by the name of so and so arriving do you see what I'm saying you've suddenly turned that into this mass
0: so what we'd start getting bounties coming up for
4: uh, yeah. commanders yep yep and and it would essentially you're escalating it right hmm. now that that's a, a a represented way of how you could do it. it is not um it's not entirely a journey mechanic
0: yeah because
4: there are con- some constraints in there that i've i've there's I've some played. story that
0: you have to try and get yeah
4: to try and try and present it but the interactivity from that is so much better than are uh, the emperor. Died, right? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sitting here trying to sort of harp and be critical, but it it just does demonstrate you have to have a completely different way of thinking in terms of you know how these things are are constructed. It is all very well to have a library of quests. Library of quests is fine. Opt into this. Opt into that. And you know there are certain freedoms in those quests. So there are some journey mechanics already there. There's some things in power play that encouraged journey mechanics there's some things that you know that the the frontier staff are already doing to encourage player factions to take over systems to do this to do that you know all of that has has great story to it we should be encouraging them to do more of that you know more of that kind of un um you know undefined you know you so that they don't know the outcomes you know it's not completely constrained it's those kind of you know are good so if if you're asking me what feedback should you give steve kirby my feedback would be we love the idea we want to see more implementation of how this can be proclamated to involve more players so if we're decoding stuff that's great we're interested but the decoding of whatever information it is has to have meaning to other players that we can then pass it on so that we are empowered as individuals doing the decoding because guess what we've done a a boring job of decoding a sequence of numbers for you for 10 to 20 minutes you have to you have to let us um you know feel that that time has meaning and so it has to be something that we can then you know um impart to other players that affects their gameplay
0: and what's more we shouldn't really be having to use out of game anything for that
4: yeah it would you know, be it much should
0: be all yeah. but all in game ideally
4: i think i think you know you've got it you've got to temper that slightly in that um it's going to Take Frontier a long, yeah, a lot of time to implement a vast amount of tools that will allow your complete interaction with these these different objects. I mean, I've already said that when you're when you're finding the strange plants on planets, you know, the first yeah, the thing that people go back to is they end up shooting them because they run they run out of methods to interact with them. What you need to do is that means you need more methods of interacting with them. So right now, really, there should be Lobbies for different types of scanner, different types of, of analysis, different types of lab sampling, and so on and so forth. All in the ship. The more ways you give people to try and interact with things, the more opportunities you have later on down the line to vary the nature of the objects you put out.
0: And I'm now killing Grant.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm going to leave you guys to it. You've let me rant for far long enough.
0: Yeah, no, with that has been fascinating has anybody else got anything else that they're wanting to say to uh alan about storyline and things like that whilst i'm getting killed
1: <laughs> i mean i must admit i did and i did play through most of those quests because uh, yeah. they're they effectively our quest and i still did enjoy them yeah um but it did it did remind me of you know the the same kind of repetitive missions that you used to get in Star Wars Galaxies and yeah. um, all those and uh, obviously World of Warcraft and SOTOR, we, you know you feel like you you're doing something that everybody else has done
4: yeah yeah you know and that as soon as you start hitting the re- repetition of content this is this is the difficulty with procedural generation is is procedural generation is the is the right choice you know there's no way it's the wrong choice but the one thing that was said at the start is that if you don't have enough variation in your library you you know it starts to become repetitive and we're seeing this now you know elite has done pretty well in terms of some of that repetition and cloaking some of that repetition um, other games haven't you know and no we can say no mans sky has not has not done that well it has had this amazing wow in terms of what's there and it looks fantastic for a little bit and then you realize just how repetitive the yeah you know, the procedural library is mm. and and that's a problem you know because they they just don't have enough variation in terms of what's there so as soon as you start feeling the repetition your you know your 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 engagement has changed and you're having to temper your engagement it's a bit like you know uh the tastiest meal that you can you know fresh you know they you know restaurants going they talk about fresh food and canned food right you mm-hmm. know the they they say there's always a difference and you know maybe you agree maybe you don't but the idea that something is um you know is, is fresher is is has this this additional quality is usually there when you feel it's rarer when you feel it's more unique um, that isn't a cooking advice anyway um incidentally i'm not saying rarer in terms of your steak but the, you already
0: know, had curry radio tonight
4: uh, oh fantastic so the point here is, you know, actually it's it's the more uniqueness, the more you feel the uniqueness of the experience the more the experience becomes memorable and spectacle for you and most of that you know, memory comes from emergent gameplay between players so so write your stuff that encourages emergent gameplay between players Yeah, yeah
0: Right, Alan, I'm so, getting a question for you from Nophelius saying, yep. does Alan know... Dwarf Fortress.
4: <laughs> no, Alan doesn't know Dwarf Fortress. Should Alan know Dwarf Fortress?
0: <laughs> Nafilis can answer that one later.
4: Uh, I it's, will... it's, a,
3: it's a roguelike game which ah, has yeah. emergent plot that is generated by NPCs. So, because I was talking to um, Darren Gray about it one time, because I was yep. saying I'd really like to have a, a system for creating procedural stories. And he yep. was saying that Dwarven Fortress has this thing where procedural stories are created by having NPCs npcs who all have kind of differing objectives yeah, yeah yeah when you throw all those different variables together you end yeah. up with a plot that is procedurally generated
4: yeah it's- because because what you're doing i guess you know and i'm i'm guessing because the only thing i have currently is a uh, a url i'm guessing that it is um depending on the player's interaction with those npcs so the way the player chooses to talk to those npcs or chooses to follow and fulfill some of those agendas and not others, you know, creates your emergent gameplay. Yeah, fantastic. You know, immediately you've got, you know, Captain. Um, I we go on about this, you know, before Captain Blood or Commander Blood, the uh, the old French game with the the traditions, that, that, that um, Amiga game. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, it was it was actually I had it on, on the Amstrad, but anyway, um, it um, <laughs> you know, the the point was that actually it 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 felt so much like you were devising your own story and terms of the way in which you were going but you ended up on a hard you know against a hard buffer which was really really difficult which you got with a lot of text adventures it wasn't a text adventure it was a step up from that but it you know you end up with a hard buffer which is where you can't figure out how to do one particular thing and if you can't figure out how to do that one particular thing you can't get any further um a lot of text adventures were you know struggled with that so Mm -hmm. it's about how you know and that that is quest essentially you know dressed up in a slight. Slightly different way, but no. Dwarf fortress sounds fantastic. So yeah, I will. I will have a look.
1: Well, will everyone else? Would you kindly thank Mr. Alan Stroud for turning up?
0: Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much, Mr. Alan Stroud for turning up.
4: <laughs> okay, I you know I did did come for thanks. I you know I'm quite happy <laughs> to. um Whilst you've been here, Winifred has had one fit. So bless her, she's she's asleep on the pillow um and uh, i'm going to take her down and go get her meds so she uh she needs that for the night so you guys enjoy and um uh blow up some sidewinders for me i
0: think that is already happening <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right take care see you later see you later cheers Alan.
0: all right well i believe that elite was on sale recently Colin, is or anything you wanted to tell us about that
1: oh yes well we were uh, quite surprised. It went on sale over the weekend, a, a Steam sale, thirty-three uh, percent off, and it shot straight to the top of the Steam charts. Uh, for is a it on of sale
0: days. for any particular reason? Like you know, I know they sometimes do it around holidays or anything like that.
1: I, I have no idea. That just all of a sudden it said Steam sale, Elite Dangerous,
0: Ran- random sale.
1: Yeah, the entire. That it wasn't just Elite, it was Horizons, it was uh, obviously the Commander's Edition, so it was it was basically a third off. And, uh, like I said, it shot straight to the top of the charts, and we do believe that there are a lot more uh, newbie commanders incoming. Um, and I hate to say this, but I think the fact that No Man's Sky hasn't worked has worked in Elite Dangerous' favour. Uh, and yeah. and uh, so I think the Paladin Consortium are going to be very busy.
0: Right, well, we've had a fairly busy show so far, but is there anything in Newsletter 144 that you guys wanted to cover? From what I saw, it was basically a whole load of pretty pictures, and there are some very, very pretty pictures, but you guys can watch, can look at them all yourself.
1: Um, uh, Yeah, I I would say, apart from the the usual stuff going on with uh, the beta, uh, there's not really much to say. Um, We know that there hasn't been a release date mentioned for the beta yet though I think everybody is working on the assumption it's sort of second or third week in October but until then I don't think we'll see anything new in the newsletter
2: Well apart from the, they've obviously got the massive article on the a charity ride by Commander Holber Mallow, which we talked about last week in quite some length. Um he was gonna come on tonight, wasn't he? He was gonna come on and talk about it and tell us all the wonderful things. It, the he, he was, but Commander Hober Mallow has an evening
0: without his kids. <laughs> it's date night so yeah, so so him and his wife are enjoying a quiet drink and a movie. Let's
2: call it stamina training.
3: I saw I saw a thing the other day that said I don't want Netflix and chill. I'm at an age now where I want Amazon Prime and commitment.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, bro! Yeah.
3: Um,
0: oh, and those instant Prime Now buttons or whatever they're called.
2: Those well, that you just actually
0: Hits a hit, hit button and you, it reorders your toilet roll.
2: Something, I mean, and this is completely irrelevant, so sorry everybody that's listening. Um, but, you know, we, we're, we mentioned Amazon Prime. Amazon are taking over the world. You can now do your grocery shoppings and have it delivered within, what, four hours?
1: Scarily <laughs> enough, yeah.
0: How's their prices compared to, say, Tesco's or whatever? I don't
1: know if they've done it yet,
2: but I will, and I'll get back I'll to you next surprised. week with our update halfway through the show of Amazon this week. <laughs> um, and the other thing is, okay. if you are interested in Twitch and Twitch and you are an Amazon Prime member, it looks like Twitch Prime, this new feature that they've launched, uh, their TwitchCon, which of course um, Dan Smith or Commander Human was at over the weekend, and Ed and Bo, I think, were out there too, so hopefully we'll get some reports back from them how, of the things that are coming, but they... Had definitely looked at this uh, Twitch Prime uh, membership as being a potential worth it if you're a Twitcher, so check it out, and it hooks in with Amazon Prime. See, they're taking over the world. And you also briefly mentioned Commander
0: Hober, I believe. So, do you want to tell us what he's up to and why he, why we invited him on the show, and why he's hopefully going to be able to join us next week?
2: Well, I mean, it's Tuesday night, so it's date night, so he's not coming in a Tuesday night unless we do a broadcast on another oh. night. He's not coming in well, he he Well,
0: he does say that he'll try to join us next week, but we shall see.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about Holber is, you know, for the last six months, we've been telling him on Hutton Orbital Radio almost weekly to get on his bike. And finally, he's listened to us and has decided to get on his bike, and this time... To do it for something super special. Now, just recently, uh, Hober had made a, another post on Facebook of how absolutely blown away he is at the support from the Elite Dangerous community. Because being featured in the Elite Dangerous newsletter, he has found himself going from 194% of his target to a massive 240%. Now, his original target was £500. Pounds. It is an aid of raising funds for special effects, but specifically, and this is important that we all keep saying this name, Richard Kilcoyne, who was his cousin, and his cousin who had a sadly I think it was Spina bifida. He said it was, um, and as he got to a point where he was struggling to play games and Hobart used to go over there and, and play games with him and he remembers vividly a, a, a time when he was actually using a wooden spoon in his mouth to, to use the keyboard and this kind of really broke his heart that now we've got this amazing charity that could have done so much for his cousin and just made gaming that bit more accessible to him and allowed them you know, to play games for maybe a bit longer but the biggest thing that he wanted to do this for was that his cousin's last sort of wishes was he didn't want to be forgotten. And, you know, we we can all relate to that as we all, you know, get older and realise we ain't got much long left. Um, some of us less than others, eh, Ben? Um... <laughs> Jesus!
1: You on about this? It's curry! Jeez!
2: <laughs> yep, and um, so it's one of these things where we can completely relate with this and it's just Richard Kilcoyne is his cousin's name and I think it's really important that we all Just spend five minutes. If it's not even Richard, if it triggers a sort of a memory of your own family and a member you've recently lost or someone who's gone through difficult times with disability and changes to their life and having to make these changes, then, you know, special effects have been a charity that have done some spectacularly important things. And people underestimate, sadly, they underestimate the power and the effects that gaming can have especially if you are physically changed for the worse, so you're used to being active and suddenly now you cannot get out on your own, gaming is a very valuable tool for your moods. And when it comes to whether or not you have a lifelong disability that you've had all your life, being able to play online on an even playing field with your friends allows a certain degree of escapism that's so important. It just, you can't, under you can't overstate it enough how important it is for fun it's the only thing in your life that makes it really worth living and we all look at it we all have fun every day whether it be something like you know calling and you know doing a spreadsheet that's his fun and he's entitled what? to what? I'm <laughs> just randomly making stuff up now. But you know what I mean is everyone's got a different degree of something that they really enjoy and sometimes you have a, a change in health. If you can imagine being laid up with a flu for two weeks and you're not able to log on and play Elite, how difficult that would be. Um, I can't so... believe
1: that you just call me an Eve player. Jesus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it kind of goes back to these um, rose-tinted glasses of yours and these very weird games that only you've read the manual in the entire world. There was Wait. only
1: two games where that was. That was Privateer and it was Iwar. For goodness sake, you kind <laughs> of got me all stereotyped and all wrong. <laughs> well, that's how stereotype
2: work. But that's so, still two hundred percent more than anyone else. Yeah. What I, do you mean that I can read? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just look at the pictures
3: and press the buttons. Um, so press course, G to land team Super I used Holber- to read every manual for every game I got for me whenever I bought a new game sitting and reading the manual before the disc even went in the computer was part of my that was part of my process exactly for enjoying a new game
1: it was to... like when you well, it's like when you've got old album covers and you used to spend ages going over the album art. Yeah. Reading the manual and going deep into sort of some of the, the lore that they put in those manuals, because let's be honest, you needed something to do when the damn game was loading.
3: There's just, <laughs> just
2: something so wrong with you guys. You read the back page of it and you go, wow, that's excellent. While it's loading, I mean, I, I imagine that you guys are the kind of people that read the cooking instructions on the side of
3: microwave meals.
2: <laughs> well.
3: Uh, but I, did, I, you not, did you never have Wing Commander with the, um, the in flight personnel magazine? I
2: I had Wing Commander three, I uh, had Wing Commander four, which I loved. I can honestly say I never read the manuals apart from once to try and figure <laughs> out what the hell you do with skipper oh. missiles, and there was nothing in
3: it. The first, uh, the first Wing Commander came with a thing called the Tiger's Claw or something like that, yeah. which was or the Tiger's Footprint or something, and it was an in character in game fiction magazine. The idea being that when you went to serve on board the ship you were handed one of these things as kind of a new member of staff. And it was all like the characters from the game had written like columns to give new pilots tips on how to stay alive, you know, out in the Kilrathi sectors. And there were adverts for kind of hairdressers on the ship and all these sorts of things. <laughs> and uh, and I, I think it's just, I, I really miss, um, uh, I really miss the physical media. I got this week, um, no, not this week, last week, I got a box of the CDs for my Chaos Reborn audio drama and I am really I'm just loving having them because I just I you know I really miss physical media and I love I loved getting the the CDs to the post cracking one open having a look at the CD and like even though it contained nothing I didn't know because frankly I designed and wrote every part of the interior of that cd case there was something nice about getting the cd and taking it out and putting the disc in the drive and all those things and that you know for me that was always part of a game i wouldn't fire the game up until i'd read the manual cover to cover and i can tell you my favorite one of my favorite manuals was um abe's odyssey on the playstation because it used to be standard that every single playstation game the the manual used to have a picture in the front of the game controller and it used to have arrows pointing to the different buttons explaining what they were. And I'm not talking about what those buttons did in the game. There would be an arrow pointing to the triangle button saying triangle button and there'd be an arrow pointing to up saying this is the up direction. And all they'd written in in the Abe's Odyssey one was if we need to explain to you how the controller works, the rest of this game is going to go way over your head. And that was all he wrote under the controller explanation. I thought it was brilliant.
1: My favourite manual was the privateer one. I absolutely loved going through that because it gave so much information of what was where and how you how you accessed it and then left you alone to do it. The only problem that I had was when we went back to Retrolave and my, my um, rose-tinted glasses got not only hammered but basically disintegrated and then jumped on.
0: I'm just wondering, actually, just taking this back into the main topic for a couple of seconds. You know, obviously, with all these retro games that we played, the manuals and things like that added in to our perceived experience
2: of the game.
1: Not oh, without a doubt. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, without...
2: Only for people like Colin and apparently Chris that read them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay, that
2: you... uh, okay, let's say then the... The Dark
0: Wheel that came in your box of elite.
1: Exactly. And what yeah. about um Tales from the Frontier?
2: Still I, not read them. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to feel that I might be in the minority here. <laughs>
0: I have to admit. I've I've read I've read The Dark Wheel. I haven't read any of the Frontier stuff, I have to admit, because I've not yeah, I still haven't played
2: Frontier. You know, I, I get, I get, I get ship porn. I get hardpoint porn. I get, you know, plant porn. <laughs> I, I get. I understand people being interested in it, but really, we're going to go down this manual porn? Where you're going to go? Oh, look, there's an original manual for eye War. No, <laughs> no, no, it just doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, get, I get the fact you're, that
1: if- you're just scared of big words. That's what your problem is.
2: It's <laughs> so if I read it, I might actually know yep. how to play it. And then i have going to... He reads for he, being crap. He reads for the pictures.
1: Yeah, it's funny you should mention sort of, uh, Frontier, because when it came down to actually enjoying Frontier or enjoying Privateer, one of the reasons why, again, the rose-tinted glasses got smashed so badly is because I enjoyed... I'm gonna I can't believe I'm gonna say this. Don't say I enjoyed it. Privateer more than Frontier at the time.
3: Oh, you said it. I did. I don't think Frontier was flawed. I mean I, I really enjoyed Frontier Elite 2 at the time, and I've tried playing it since on an emulator, and I have thought to myself, I don't understand how I ever enjoyed this. I mean, if you if as long as you're flying around and trading, it's fine, but if you get attacked, um the whole jousting thing is just so frustrating now. I can't, yeah, I can't bring myself to endure it, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, the the only game that was able to do fun, I, uh, Newtonian physics combat was I War, and even then it would it scared Grant off because basically its manual's thicker than the Bloomin' disc. So
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never got I to grips as well the get... first I, I War. Two was amazing. I might as well just get qualified
2: and go and fly space shuttle with all that effort. <laughs> so it's like a blue flight simulator like what do you need to know from that manual apart from all the things you have to switch on before you can take off but there's a button that does that and then you just take off and then you crash it and then that's you you unload the game, delete it and you get all your life because there's just nothing else to do with it um, yes I am Captain Blood put me off manuals for life
1: Oh, well, I'm not surprised there. Captain Blood wasn't exactly my favourite game either.
2: There wasn't an English (laughs) section, uh, and the the small English pamphlet you kind of got with it was clearly very broken and made no sense. That game took me, oh, ten years after it was out to actually figure out what to do in it, and by then I didn't want to do it anymore. But other games, like, um, I don't know if any of you played Damocles, which would probably be out around about the frontier time, I reckon, because... It was kind of like all coloured in vectors and, you know, what I expect, and this is it, I mean, this this possibly comes from my lack of reading manuals. What I like to do is land on your planet, climb up a big tall building, jump off the top. And every so often you would get this text coming on the bottom, they just drove you mad. I did try doing missions once, but I found them very boring and ended up jumping off more buildings.
1: Democles was mercenary updated, wasn't it?
2: Yeah.
0: right well i think we've got things that need to get killed so i think we should think about starting wrapping up now so i've got a few weeks ago we did an announcement for the order of the shadow who recently ran a grand system hunt competition that's now officially over Um, unfortunately they didn't have any of their main prize winners however they do have two winners for their secondary prizes who won their their colonial prizes as they're calling them? Commander Firemane won a bobblehead and a paint pack of his choice for his his one, and Commander Putin Strong has won the second colonial prize and is getting a paint pack of his choice. So congratulations to all those guys from the Order of the Cis, Order Order of the Shadow. Right, I think we gotta give a shout out to everyone who's joined us at the Orange Sidewinder in game because. It's been a, it's been a while since we've actually had a group of folk at the Sidewinder because yeah I know in main game I'm out of jacks
2: your Grant is exploding somewhere I believe no I am <laughs> weeping into the fragments of my orca at the last station I was at which was roughly Shinra to <laughs> Desra and that's where I shall stay for a number of days yet before I can build up the strength to go back in and take a flight. Oh.
0: <laughs> Uh, and um, yes. I'm not quite sure where you are, Colin. Are you? Weren't you quite a quite a fair way out and all?
1: Well, well, pardon?
0: Weren't you quite? I'm right. You weren't in the middle of the bubble.
1: I am right in the middle of the bubble.
0: Okay, so you're in the you're in the bubble again now. Yes. Uh, yes. Anyway, we haven't been around Lake Station for a while, which I f- I do feel. Mildly guilty about, but in beta, because beater is beater and we can get here and not worry about it, that's what we're doing in the main game. We're joined by Commander Frank, by Commander Gal Midden, by Icefire, by Pain, by Thudpucker, and I have to be careful when I say that, and whoever. And Watcher's they're all going to help us. Is Watcher out there?
2: Yeah, whoever's he'll be up earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so it watches out
0: there i know grant's around somewhere but i assume he's died so he's maybe yeah,
2: back. well when you listen to the podcast back and you hear all the sort of occasional clicks in people's sentences and then you'll hear the point <laughs> at which my beater crashed out and audio uh, returned to beautiful audio so i'm not going to load it up just now because it's going to interfere and I know that for the future. The betas are really, really tend to be like that. They tend to have far more mm-hmm. network access and bandwidth eating than they should do, and the, the main game doesn't seem to have that problem But the minute, which is probably why you guys struggled so much with OBS. Possibly. I, I don't... Well, no, I, I can
0: jinx it now, because we're only five minutes, or well, we're basically at the, end of the, at the end of the show. And so far, even though I'm hosting the live Radio one, I've only had 133 frames dropped in the past, well, yeah. 90 odd minutes. So,
1: yeah, you're twitching you know. from
0: now on. <laughs> <laughs> but it never works for me. It really, yeah, it, it's. I think it's. Not, it's worked for me tonight because you you ran the gauntlet and you 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 took the hints, and then it just let me slide in and you know s- stab Twitch in the back or something like that and I've got no idea where I'm going with that metaphor, but anyway.
1: Yeah, I think, I think we're going to move along there before. Yeah, I'll give you uh, guys the...
2: a very valuable tip. I. Get some decent software. OBS is awesome. I love OBS. Yeah, it's awesome. Why is it awesome, Ben? Because it's free. There we go. Right, and you get what you <laughs> paid for. It's so it's amazing I, how when you get a bit of software that you pay for. I mean, try and get a plugin right. For example, here, can uh, can you broadcast to Twitch and YouTube at the same time? Yes. And how does that work for you? I've never tried, but I have done it by accident. Yeah, it's quick when you do these things. Also, the other thing that you is, is difficult. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. I had this is to stream it to the local network. I've never tried that. I have to admit, but I wouldn't want to. But it could be good for. Lavecon on things. Yeah, that's where it comes in really handy. Well, it's not easy at all. It's a nightmare. Whereas I just click a button. Mm. Well, I'm not saying yes. that the software I use is the best, because um, OBS you're has using... got some beautiful plugins. I'm using XSplit. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and it makes things so much easier from a user point of view. So if you're new to, to twitching. Uh, OBS can require a bit of clunkiness, but you can you can find a whole world of plugins to chuck into that will manage a playlist that will do things like that. Um, things it doesn't have. And this is things that I use in the Drabble show all the time is the ability to put stop and pause points in media files. So, that you can click play and create an animation that will then stop at a point, and then when you hit play, it'll then continue and complete that animation, which gives you yeah, the that. Sounds, to that do does funky sound handy, stuff. yeah. But you can't really do that in OBS. There's, I've not found a mm-hmm. way to do that. Um, but yeah, it's free, yeah. It is free, but it feels it when you have it for your first look. Yeah, you get what
0: you pay for, and that that's fair enough I think yeah.
2: If you're going to wrap up, I'll just requ- quick reminder then to yep. remind people that if you stick around after the end music, we will have the latest updated version of uh, Galnet News from Commander Witherspoon so stick around for that
3: Thank you, Cool. I um, can also say, uh, episode three of Escape Velocity um, is it, it is not quite going to be fortnightly, this one. It's going to be three weeks. So the broadcast date for episode three of Escape Velocity is 16th of October. Uh, and this is largely because of just casting problems and... <laughs> Having to do, uh, having Real to push and stuff back. Yeah, yeah, obviously we had we had some issues. Um, the Patreon for Escape Velocity currently has a free slot for a um, character name insert. So if anybody feels like getting a commander name or something slotted into the show, obviously, you know, my choice is final and I'm not going to call anyone in my series floppy donkey dick or anything like that. Um, and there is also, I think, a slot free for a a player group advert, uh, I think. Let me just double check. I'm pretty sure that that is currently free. Um, we've actually got a gap. No one no one took it up this week, which is really handy because we've got Hobermello's bike ride to advertise. So that's going to go in the player group advert slot, which is really good. And Um, Hoba
0: Mallows, the URL for that, which we haven't mentioned, is justgiving.com slash fundraising slash S H S S E T
3: G. Yes, Super Hoba Special Effect Team Go is the acronym. Damn right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because you'll remember that. (laughs) Well, you did, apparently,
0: actually, (laughs) so I didn't.
3: And the and the Patreon for Escape Velocity is patreon.com forward slash radio theatre workshop.
2: Any final words from yourself, Grant? Nope. I'm all good. Oh, yeah, we'll see you guys well, Hutt Norbert News Thursday night at half past eight. And then I will travel on Friday at 7 p.m. and then into Karash Landing at 8 p.m. So yeah, keep your eyes open for plenty of different activities coming up. Um but yeah, that's, that's about it, I'm afraid. For me, anyway.
0: And what about yourself, Colin? Have you done your updates to your top shift with the different Google Cardboard things yet?
1: Um, no, that's still in production because uh, let's just say this this one, is, I'm doing a full down breakdown about which one's going to be the easiest to use. So I'm giving them a score of five.
0: Okay, I'm waiting for this because I, I want to try and get my Google Cardboard working again. So I'm kind of waiting
3: for this with baited breath is to get my stuff yeah, running. Is the, is the whole aspect ratio in Elite Dangerous issue fixed yet?
1: It does seem to be with um, mine, my colour cross on my new phone. Um, oh, I, I can't had a say nightmare anything with it. it, it was,
0: yeah.
1: I can't say it at the because otherwise I'd spoil what I'm working on. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, I can say with mine, I went off and tried things, and I yeah, you know, I basically using Trinus, I put Elite into side by side mode, but Elite basically decided it's going to have a hundred pixels on the left hand side of the screen, a hundred pixels on the right hand side of the screen, and everything else is just going to be nothing. Which
1: yeah, I have really no idea how you managed to do help
0: that. Me with <laughs> anything. I've got no idea about that. It was just very, very annoying. So I, I, that's why I'm desperately waiting to see what your settings are so I can maybe copy them, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's us for another episode of Lave Radio. If you want to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at infolaveradio.com. At We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lave Radio. We are at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Discord channel by going to tinyurl slash laveradio. And we're also on TeamSpeak at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Laveradio was recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 20:30 British British time at the moment for another couple of weeks. And we're streamed out on liveradiocom live. Thank you very much to Grant, to Colin, to Chris, and to Alan for showing up and telling us all about journeys, quests and stories and things Um, Thank you very much to everybody who's joined us in Twitch Thank you very much to everyone who's joined us in IRC Thank you very much to everybody who has joined us in-game We will be resuming opening fire straight after this broadcast So, until next time fly safe And if you can't do that fly dangerous
1: Good night, Zach I night, Zach. Is your life like this? I guess i having
3: an orange inserted. No. <laughs> 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 you need a safe one. street.
5: Net News, 4th of October, 3302. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news. Handbags at dawn in the Empire. Another clue for the Formidine Rift. The Martian Relic. What on Mars is it? Handbags at dawn in the Empire. It was comedy hour in Achenar this week, as a private meeting between Princess Aisling Duval and former Senator Kahina Loren was broadcast live to the basking lizard people of the Empire. In the exchange, Duval accused Lorraine of attempted murder, and Lorraine retorted that if she'd wanted to kill Admiral Petraeus, she would have succeeded. She also noted that she despised the Admiral, Lorraine went on to describe Duval's stupid blue wig as a stupid wig, which suggests that she may be colourblind. Another clue for the Formidine Rift. Another clue has been revealed about where to find the Formidine Rift. We already know to look on the line through Riort to Reedquat and beyond, that it's likely to be near the Heart and Soul Nebulae and in the EAFOTS sector. The latest decoded message from Rebecca Weston's Cobra in the Tianisla Orbital Graveyard reads, The Vain Queen rides a giraffe that remembers her daughter's hero. As everyone will immediately realise, this can only possibly refer to the vain queen Cassiopeia, her daughter Andromeda, her daughter's rescuer Perseus, and… a giraffe. By an amazing coincidence, the four stellar constellations off those names are all grouped together, pretty much in the area of sky where can be found the EAFOTS sector the heart and soul nebulae, and through which passes the Riort read what line. It's almost like someone is getting impatient. We haven't worked it out yet. The Martian Relic. What on Mars is it? The Martian Relic is a very, very small object discovered beneath the surface of Mars in 2280. We know nothing about it other than that it exists because the Federal Government decided that it was so important that they should look after it for us. It is possible that it was left on Mars by aliens. One theory states that it is a stage set left behind by a Thargoid heavy metal band touring the galaxy more than a thousand years ago, and it it was supposed to be an 18-foot-tall black monolith. But they somehow got the dimensions wrong. And that's this week's Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to.